0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church, an outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message.
1: I like that part of the song where he says, what the enemy meant for evil. He turns it for our good. He turns it all around. He makes it all backfire on the devil. You believe that tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. Every weapon formed against you, not only will it not prosper, but it'll backfire. And cause all kinds of problems for the devil. And so I think we're going to see some of that here in the Word tonight. As we continue our teaching in the book of Revelation. Ah, oh, it's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting, amen. We are on to chapter 17 in this part 8. We're getting a lot of great things from the Word, by no means exhausting the Word of God. Never will. You can always go back and get more and more and more and more and more, but the things that you're learning here in, uh, in these teachings, I believe are laying a foundation for you to be able to see and get a whole lot more from the book of Revelation in your own personal study time, your own personal meditation time. How many people know the Bible says that you're to study to show yourself approved unto God? It doesn't just say, say, be sure to casually read the Bible when you can. No, he says, study. Everybody say, study. Study. Study the word of God. You got to be a student of the word. Student of the Word. Disciples of Jesus are students of the Word of God. So we study God's Word. We get in there and we, and you know, this is great. You know, these Bibles we have today, these study Bibles. Where you get in there and they have references, you know. And you can follow the reference and, and look it up and see how the Scriptures connect together. And that just opens you up to all kinds of revelation from the Word of God. And then, of course, you've got concordances. And now with computers today, it's so easy, you know, to look up the Greek and the Hebrew of words and dictionary. You know, you look at the dictionary of words and it's just, it's a lot of fun. I said it's a lot of fun and it builds a lot of faith. And that's the most important thing. And so the faith life is a fun life. Right? Because faith comes by having fun and having fun in the Word of God. I like that. I said faith comes by having fun. And having fun in the word of God. Hallelujah. Studying God's word is fun. It's fun. And so it's fun getting faith. And then once you have faith, it's fun because you get the victory. And I like winning. I like overcoming. I like conquering. And succeeding and prospering in life. Don't you? It's fun. It's fun. So faith comes by having fun. And then once you have faith... You have more fun. So it is a fun life. Say it with me. Say, the Christian life is a fun life. It's a fun life. The book of Revelation is fun. Nothing to be scared of if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus. And I believe we'll see some of that as we get into chapter 17 tonight. Are you ready? Say, Heavenly Father, grant me. The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Open my eyes to see great things from the book of Revelation. Amen. Praise God. Verse one. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me. Remember, we just went through the seven bowl judgments. And so now here one of the angels is talking to him, saying to to him, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. Now, who is this great harlot? Well, we know what a harlot is in the natural. A harlot is someone that offers sex for money. And then notice, she sits on many waters. What are the many waters? Well, we know it's, it's nations. In fact, if you look at verse 15 of the book of Revelation here, seventeen fifteen, it says, And he said to me, The waters which you saw where the, where the harlot sits are people's multitudes, nations, and tongues. It goes on, it says, verse 2, "...with whom the kings of the earth committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth." Makes a distinction there with kings, government rulers, government leaders. And then the inhabitants of the earth "...were made drunk with the wine of her fornication." Notice that, "...drunk with fornication." In other words, drunk with sexual immorality, because that's what fornication is. Drunk with sexual immorality, or overcome. You know, the word drunk means to be overcome. Overcome by sexual immorality. In other words, addicted to sexual immorality. And like I've been saying, that's a big part of why there's going to be a great tribulation. It's because of all the sexual sins of man. So, who exactly is this great harlot? I believe she is America. America is here in the Word of God in prophecy. And we'll go through it and look at that and see why I believe that to be so. America, number one, we know is the leading superpower over the world or over the many waters, over all the nations. There's no nation that influences the world like America. America is referred to as a woman. She, her are all terms we use for America. But I remember praying one time several years ago. The Lord just it just rose up on the inside of me. The Spirit of God uh, called America Lady Liberty. And it came out in a prophetic word as I was praying my Lady Liberty. And you can feel the broken heartedness of God. My Lady Liberty. And of course, you know, we have the Statue of Liberty, which is a lady. Which is a symbol of America. America's, America's freedom and so forth. So, she is a woman. But I also believe that America at this time, in the end times, will have a woman president. There will be a woman president and she will not be good. America is the greatest producer in the world of fornication. Or we could say pornography, sexual immorality, sexual perversion. America is the greatest producer. The world gets most of its filth from America. From Hollywood, from movies, from our entertainment industry. And we have polluted the world with sexual immorality, with sexual perversion, with pornography. In the movies, and like I said, in, in all different areas of entertainment and arenas of life. And then I found it interesting that they were drunk they were drunk with the wine of her fornication. Whenever I think of wine here in the Word of God, I, I immediately think of communion. I think of communion. I think about the blood of Jesus, And we're going to see some more things about this woman and the blood of Jesus, the blood of the saints. But uh, America was a Christian nation. It was founded on Christian principles. And so the wine of communion here has turned into the wine of fornication. And we'll see more about her here as we go through this chapter. Verse 3. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness. And I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. Well, we've seen this beast before, haven't we? And that was over in Revelation chapter 13. And we saw that that beast was the Antichrist. The Antichrist who would preside over... A configuration of ten nations. And so we see the harlot is carried along by the beast. She's sitting on this beast. So this beast is carrying her. She's elevated and mobilized by the beast. Now again, what are the seven heads and the ten horns? If you go over to verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings. So he's telling you right there who they are. Ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. But they receive authority for one hour as kings with the beast or with the Antichrist. These are of one mind and they will give their power and authority to the beast. So you've got these kings... Represented by the ten horns, these government leaders, these rulers. And then the seven heads are these kingdoms, these seven kingdoms. These government rulers and these kingdoms, these governments, they will carry the sexual perversion throughout the world. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 26 says, For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced... To a crust of bread. And an adultess will prey upon his precious life. See, here's the thing about sexual immorality. It will debase and degrade our nation. The people of this nation. The peoples of this world. The Bible says it will reduce a person to a crust of bread. To a crust of bread. They're just absolutely worthless. And you do. You look around today and you wonder... Where people's heads are, where their minds are. You you look at people, you think these seem like very intelligent people. And yet you look at some of the things that they're doing, that they're condoning, that they're a part of, things that are taking place in our nation today and around the world. It's utter foolishness. Utter foolishness. And you think, how could they be so blind? How foolish? The answer? Sexual immorality. It reduces people's intelligence to a crust of bread. They lose their wisdom. They lose their sense of discernment. They become like animals. And they just can't figure things out. And that's what's happening to the world. And that is how the Antichrist will take over all the nations. By reducing them. Reduce, debasing them degrading them. You know, I think of Samson. You know, God put this great anointing upon him. He had all this supernatural power. And he was like unstoppable. Breaking chains, tearing lions apart. He was amazing. But then he met a harlot of a woman. And she just kept poking at him and poking at him, trying to get him to tell her the secret of his power. And she just kept working him and working him. And through sexual perversion, she began to, the Bible say torment him. And it actually was talking about there, after she cut his hair, it was sexual perversion that they were engaging in. And it so reduced him that when he stood up to shake himself so that he could take on the enemies of the Lord, the Philistines that were coming against him, he had no power. No strength to do anything. It was through sexual immorality that man was overcome. You think about King David. What a powerful, powerful king. I mean, he was amazing. I mean, whatever battle he entered into, he was like indestructible. He was just an incredible king. I mean, just lived a supernatural life. But what reduced that man to a shivering, weak man? Sexual immorality matter it broke adultery. It broke that man down. So these things are very serious. They're a great tool of the devil to break down people, to break down the human race and cause us to be like animals, full of disgrace, that can't run our race. I mean, we can't figure things out. And so we're easily overcome because we're weakened through sexual immorality. So so that's what the enemy is up to. And he's using government leaders in this area as well. Even now, government leaders are using sex trafficking for profit and pleasure. We see that increasing and things coming out and being exposed. But it's only going to get worse because the beast and his... Kings, all his rulers, this is a big part of their kingdom, how their kingdom works. Sex trafficking is going to be a big thing. Pornography and filth is a big thing to keeping them in power. Verse 4. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of the abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. Whenever I read that, just knowing in my heart this is America, I see that golden cup and it just reminds me of the torch in the hand of the Statue of Liberty and how that torch, which was a light to the nations... In this time, has become a cup full of filth for the nations to be drunk on. The exact opposite. Chapter 17, verse 5. And on her forehead, a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations of the earth. I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. You know, sexual immorality and violence, they go very well together. They go very well together. Violent movies, sexual images, they all go together. And so as the... As the nations become more sexually perverse, more vile, as this nation becomes more sexually perverse and vile, the more violent it will become. Become a more violent nation. And so I saw the woman drunk. I mean, just overcome, intoxicated with the blood of the saints. And again, I know we're talking about the country, the nation. But at the same time, I really believe... There's a woman leader of the nation at that time as well. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. America here will become the greatest killer of Christians ever throughout the world. And that's probably because it has more Christians than any other nation in the world. Verse 7. But the angel said to me, why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, which, is, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. Notice was, past tense, this beast was. In other words, it already existed at some point in history to some degree. Well, of course, there was the Babylonian Empire and the Roman Empire. A lot of people think it's talking about the Roman Empire because Rome is built on seven hills. And so you got the seven heads or seven mountains or hills that the beast has. We could say it was a type. The past was a type of what was to come. What is to come in the future. So it did exist to some degree. Then it goes on and says, and is not. In other words, it presently does not exist. Well, John wrote this in the days of the Roman Empire. So what this beast is not Rome, which some people have said it is, but it's not. It's not Rome. It's not the, the current empire of his day. And it will ascend out of the bottomless pit. In other words, this thing hasn't even walked on the earth yet. That might be on the earth now. I don't know. But it wasn't in that day. This is something that's going to be released out of hell in the last days. And it will come. There will be an empire that will rise upon the earth. And it will be like no other empire in the world. Verse 9. Here's the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. Verse 10, there are also seven kings. Five have fallen. One is, and the other has not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue for a short time. So this could be, again, it's talking about the kings. It also could refer to kingdoms. Kingdoms. Kings of their kingdoms. And so the five that have fallen, some say, the five that have fallen would would be Egypt, Assyria, Neo Babylonia, Persia, and Greece. These are the empires that have already been, the five that have been, and that have fallen. The one that is would be the sixth, which is Rome. That would be the one that is at the time of John's writing. And the seventh, that has not yet come, would be a revived Roman Empire. And then it goes on and talks about the eighth in verse 11. The beast that was and is not is himself also the eighth. So the Antichrist is the eighth and is of the seven and is going into perdition. So the eighth kingdom is the kingdom of the Antichrist. Verse 12. The ten horns which you saw are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but they've received authority for one hour as king with the beast. In other words, as soon as they give their authority over to the the beast, you know, he schnookers them. He seduces them. And as soon as they surrender their sovereignty, the sovereignty of their nations over to them, he shakes their hand, they sign the peace deal, and in an hour they're taken out back and they're no more. They lose it. They lose their heads. Verse 14. They will make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb will overcome them. Who is the Lamb? For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And those who are with him are called chosen and faithful. Praise God. Are you chosen? Not just called, but chosen. And faithful, in other words, you've answered the call. Even in hard times, we will answer the call and be faithful even unto death. Faithful to the Lord. Notice, they'll make war with the Lamb. How does, how does that work? How does, how does the Antichrist, who's a man, and these kings, and, the, and, the, and these government, how do they make war with the Lamb? By coming against his body, the body of Christ. His people. you got to understand, when anyone touches you, they touch the pupil of God's eye. They're poking God. Anybody that messes with one who's been chosen and faithful, they're messing with the Lord himself. You remember over in Acts chapter 9, where Saul experienced the glory of God and it was bright and he fell to the ground. And the Lord spoke to him. And said to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul, you know, whom I persecute? What do you mean? I mean, yeah, I I had Stephen stoned to death. And I've had a lot of Christians beaten and thrown in prison. But who are you? He said, I'm the Lord whom you're persecuting. See, you're not just attacking these people. You're attacking me. When people are attacking you, they're attacking the Lord. When the devil messes with you, he's messing with the Lord. Don't ever forget that when you're in a battle. When anything's going on, when the enemy's messing with you, anything's going on in your life, any kind of trial or test or tribulation, you need to rise up and say, do you know who you're messing with? Because you're not just messing with this flesh and blood. You're messing with the Lord. And the Lord always wins. He always wins. He fights for us. Somebody say, "The Lord's fighting for me. Hallelujah. See, they're fighting the Lamb. They're not fighting you. See, put it off on God. You know, get, you got to get that perspective. Don't think, Lord, help me, help me. No, they're messing with the Lord. Lord, they're messing with you. They're messing with your church. You see what they're trying to do to your people? You see what they're trying to do to you? You're not going to sit back, Jesus, and let that happen. Not gonna just roll over and let the devil walk over you, Jesus, are you? And how people know the answer? New, new way. Praise God. So praise God. How does the Lord defeat the enemy? Because notice what it said. It said, He overcame them. Didn't He? He overcame them, for He is Lord of lords and Kings of Kings. How does He overcome them? He overcomes them through the faithful, those that are faithful. To him. When you're faithful to the Lord, faithful to his word, then the Lord's able to overcome all his adversaries, your adversaries, through you. So we stand tall, we stand faithful, and all the Lord's enemies will fall. Praise God. Verse 15. Then he said to me, the waters which you saw, where the harlot sits, are people, multitudes, nations, and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot... Make her desolate. So notice this. The harlot is on this beast. This beast is carrying this harlot, but they hate her. They hate the harlot. Now, they're helping to expedite her fornication, her filth, her immorality to the nations. But they hate her. They hate her. These will hate the harlot, make her desolate and naked, eat her flesh and burn her with fire. You know, most of the European Union hates America. Now, I'm not saying that necessarily is the ten nation configuration, but it would seem like it would stem, it would come from that. But most of the European nations have a have a great disdain for for America. For this country. So perhaps that will get really, really worse here in the last days. Verse 17. For God has put it into their hearts to fulfill his purpose. To be of one mind and to give their kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is the great city which reigns over the kings of the earth, so she's a woman, but she's also a city. Revelations twenty-one talks about a city. We'll be getting into, and it's the New Jerusalem, and also it's a woman who is called the Lord's bride. We'll be seeing that here in a little bit. But verse verse two of chapter twenty-one says, Revelation twenty-one two. It says, Then I John saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride uh, adorned for her husband. You and I are living stones, and we make up this great city. And we are also the Lord's bride. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, But the Jerusalem above is free, which is the mother of us all. So here, Jerusalem, this city, is called the mother of us all, which is very significant. So there's a city that's a woman who is the mother, who is also Satan's babe. She's riding the beast. That's his woman. God has his woman. He has his church, the new Jerusalem. And she's the mother of us all. The mother of harlots is this woman. Chapter 18, verse 1. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. You know, you gotta, you, we can miss this. Uh, how much God uses angels here in the last days. Angels play a tremendous role in the events that will unfold in these last days. And you and I have to understand that and utilize angels for the kingdom of God. The Bible says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, heeding the voice of his word. Notice that angels heed the voice of God's word. Well, who gives voice to God's word on the earth? We do. We do. So as we speak the word, angels heed our voice. And we need to utilize angels in these last days to help us out. To help us out in times of great tribulation. And uh, notice this angel coming down from heaven had great authority. Where did he get that great authority? Who authorized him? Who authorized him? Well, who authorizes these angels? We do. Because Jesus was given all authority, but then we know he delegated that authority to the church by giving us his name. And he said, in my name, cast out demons, devils, which are fallen angels. He said, cast out devils. He said, you lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. He's telling us to use that authority. So how do these angels get that authority? Well, the authority has been delegated to us in the earth. And so now we are authorizing angels to move as we speak God's word, as we give voice to God's word. Great faith in God's word gives great authority to the angels to bring those words to pass. Bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, you become greater In strength and power and authority, heeding the voice of the word. So great faith, giving voice to God's word, releases angels with great authority, great strength and power to do things on our behalf, on behalf of the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus. Do you see that? Praise God. Verse 2. And he this angel cried out cried mightily with a loud voice saying Babylon the great is fallen is fallen and has become a dwell has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit and a cage for every unclean and hated bird Notice that It's Babylon the city This great city. Well, this harlot was a great harlot in verse 1. She's called a great harlot. She's also the great city. She is the bride of Satan. She is Satan's bride. See, the devil, he tries to copy God in everything. Jesus has himself a bride. And it's his church who is also... The new Jerusalem. That's Jesus' bride. So the devil, he's got a city. He's got a people. He's got a woman. But his woman is a harlot. That's, and that's why the Antichrist, she's riding on the Antichrist. So the devil, he has himself a woman. And the woman is America. America, a different America than you and I have known. America that has fallen. America that has opened its borders to every kind of unclean, evil spirit. You know, demons can't just come into a place. Demons just can't come into your home. Demons can't just get into your spirit, get into your mind, get into your body. they got to get access. you got to give them permission. you got to authorize them. you got to give them the authority to come in. And so as people resist God, kick prayer at of public assemblies and just rid the name of Jesus from the public square, and as they just tear down every form of Christianity and to destroy Christian faith and people are given over to perversion and sexual immorality, then the spiritual walls come down. And devils and demons are able to come in and flood that person's life, those people's lives, that nation. And so here, what was once a Christian nation, is now a demonic place. A demonic place. America the beautiful has become America the Babylon. And Of course, you know, you go back in history to Babylon in the Word of God, and it was Babylon that came and destroyed the temple in Israel and led all the people off, God's people off, into captivity. They were cruel to God's people. And so America has become cruel to Christ, to the Lamb, to the church, to God's people. Verse 3 For all the nations have drunk of the wine of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven and God has remembered her iniquities. Notice he says, come out of her. Now, is he telling us to leave, flee the country? Flee the land that we're in? Or is he just saying, flee the ways of the people of the land? Lest you what? Lest you share in her sins. Because if you share in her sins, you will share in her wrath. That's what it talks about here in verse 3. It says they were, you know, drunk with, the, with, the, with her fornication, but it says drunk with the wrath of her fornication. In other words, if, they're gonna be, if you're going to be drunk with her fun, you're going to be drunk with her wrath. You're going to play around with sexual immorality and sexual sins. You're going to reap the wrath that comes as a result of it. And so, we need to keep ourselves clean so we're not partakers of it. In other words, get out of watching for entertainment the sexual immorality and perversion Of the world around us. You don't want to be pulled into that. And if you have already been pulled into it. And you're addicted to it. And drunk on it. Man you need to do everything you can. To get yourself free of it. Run for help. Run to the house of God. Confess your sin. Fast. Do whatever you got to. Unplug your television. Turn your computer off. Turn your phone. Get off of Facebook. Do what you got to do. Jesus went as far as to say, if your arm, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better that you go into eternity, minus one eye, than to go into eternity, spend eternity in hell. So we've got to watch. These things are addictive. These things hook people. It's like an octopus will just grab onto you and just pull you under. So, Get out from her. Get away from her. Run from her. She's vile. She's full of demons. And she'll destroy your life if you let her. Verse 6. Render to her just as she re- rendered to you. And repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. Notice what, what the Lord says. Render to her just as she rendered To you. She's done the church wrong. She's done Christians wrong, which we'll see here in just a little bit. And um, so he says, just as she is rendered to you. The Lord says in Romans 12 19, vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. He says, beloved, do not avenge yourself. He doesn't say, beloved, do not defend yourself. There's a difference between defending yourself and avenging yourself. Somebody attacks you, you don't just sit there and go, oh, Lord said to just, you know, let him kill me. Lord said, just let him come in, steal everything from me. A lot of Christians are ignorant like this. There's a, lot of Christians, they, well, a Christian shouldn't own a gun. They shouldn't have a gun. Christians Christian shouldn't have a gun. Because it's written, thou shalt not kill. Well, he's talking about Murder. And if you go on and you read uh, Romans chapter 12, the the Bible says that uh, a police officer doesn't bear the sword in vain. Or a soldier, he doesn't bear the sword in vain. He's God's minister. So God's minister should have a gun. It's okay for God's people to have a weapon to defend themselves. But he says don't avenge yourself. In other words, it's after the fact It's already been done. He says, now don't go out and try to get even. No, no, no. The Lord says, I'll take care of that. I'm a God of justice. I will take care of that. I will render to them just as they have rendered to you. And double. So you don't have to avenge yourself. Do you see the difference? Verse 7. In the measure that she glorified herself and lived luxuriously in the same measure give her torment and sorrow for she says in her heart i sit as a queen and i am no widow and i will not see sorrow you know we got to watch you know god's been so good to us here in america i mean we are we are so blessed so blessed and you can become very indifferent to the suffering that's going on all around us in the world and you can just get to a place where you just feel like it's always been this way, it'll always be this way, no harm will ever come to us and so therefore I could do whatever I want, act however I want and everything's going to be just fine because we're so blessed, we're so protected, we're such a great and powerful people And we are. The Lord has made us a very great and powerful people. He has blessed us incredibly. But we have to watch about being cocky, arrogant with the blessing that's upon our life. But here we see a very cocky and arrogant woman who thinks she's a queen and she's better than all the other nations. She's better than everybody else. You know, God blesses us so we could be a blessing. I mean, he wants you blessed because he wants you blessed. But then, more than that, he wants to make you a blessing. Because you're not an island to to yourself. You're not the only one that he created. He created you with others in mind. Well, he blesses America. He blesses a nation like America. And expects America to rise up and be a blessing. To do unto others as the Lord has done unto us. And America has been good in a lot of ways, you know, in in sending more missionaries around the world with the gospel than any other country, right? So in the same way that pornography and filth is now going forth and we're the number one producer of it. I mean, there was a time we were the number one producers of the word of God to the world. I mean, we we were putting out the word, putting out the word. And we don't want that to change, but the Bible talks about a time when that does change, and it's because of this cocky, arrogant indifference towards the nations, towards the rest of the world, and sexual immorality and perversion getting into the church, taking us down. Verse 8, therefore her plagues will come in one day. Notice that, in one day. Death and mourning and famine and she'll be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord who judges her. Notice that. In one day. Whoever heard of a, a, a city or a country so powerful. Ruling over the nations of the world. You know, Influencing all the nations of the world. Such wealth. The greatest economy in all the world. Whoever heard of it just being destroyed in one day. But how many people know the day and hour we live in, that's entirely possible. And I believe here, he's talking about nuclear. Some kind of nuclear devastation coming to the land. Verse 9, the kings of the earth who committed fornication lived luxuriously... With her will weep and lament for her when they see the smoke of her burning. Standing at a distance for fear of her torment. Saying, alas, alas, the great city Babylon, the mighty city. For in one hour, not just one day, notice. In one hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth will weep and mourn over her for... No one buy, For no one buys their merchandise anymore. Merchandise of gold and silver, precious stones and pearls. fine. she's a distributor of all these things to the nations. Fine linen and purple silk and scarlet, every kind of wood, every kind of object of ivory, every kind of object of most precious wood and so forth and so on. Verse 14, the fruit that your soul longed for has gone from you and all things which are rich and splendid have gone from you and you shall find them no more so the verse 15 the merchants of these of these things who became rich by her, will stand at a distance for fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, the great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls. For in one hour, it says it again, for in one hour such great riches came to nothing. They're, they're just like in awe of this. How could this be? In one hour, this place is completely leveled. Every shipmaster... All who travel by ship, sailors, and as many as trade on the sea, the shiny sea, stood at a distance and cried out when they saw the smoke of a burning, saying, what is like the great city? kind of reminds me of what happened when the World Trade Centers came down, you know, right there by the sea, right? Hudson River. And you see the, the smoke going up, the smoke coming up from those two buildings. Imagine an entire city. Imagine that. Imagine nuclear war just wiping out an entire city, which we know if it happens in a city, it's not just gonna affect the city, it would affect the entire nation. People just they watched it. They watched the smoke rising up. Perhaps a little preview of what's coming. In the future, verse 19, they threw dust on their heads and cried out, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city in which all who had ships on the sea became rich by her wealth, for in one hour she is made desolate. See, that could not be possible until the day and hour that you and I are living in now. That could not be possible in the day that the Bible was written. And it says it three times in one hour, it's all gone. It's all gone. It's all destroyed. It's just smoke rising up. Just smoke rising up. The whole thing just burned, incinerated. Verse 20. Rejoice. Some of you need some of that right now. Rejoice over her, O heavens, and you holy apostles and prophets. For God has avenged you on her. Now, you know, you got all these people weeping. I mean, throwing dust up in the air, alas, alas, alas. I I mean, oh, God, they're just crying, they're devastated, can't even believe it. And then God turns around and says to us, rejoice. Hallelujah. Give praise to God. God has avenged you on her. See, we gotta watch. We gotta watch about being so caught up in the things of the world that we just react the way the world reacts to things. Many times our reaction to things should be the complete opposite of the way the world reacts. Because we have a completely different perspective than the world has. We should. We're supposed to. We should have a heavenly, eternal perspective. Like, for example, you say, Oh, I can't believe the little children that got killed. Well, let's stop. These children are, are living in an exceedingly wicked place where they are going to grow up and learn fornication. They're going to learn to be sexually immoral. They're going to learn to be perverse. And they're going to grow up and become sons and daughters of hell. True? And, but they all got killed in this nuclear attack while they were still pure. And they all made heaven. And now they're spending. He- I'm just giving you a perspective. I- I'm not saying that's why they're rejoicing, or we should rejoice. I'm just giving you a different perspective, an eternal perspective. See, and we need to have this. When somebody dies, something happened to them. We don't just be caught up in the natural, in the flesh. We know this life is a vapor. It- it's just here for a little while. We don't make that big of a deal about this life. We- we- we're living for God's life, eternal life. That means that- forever. And so this, this baby, this child, dies pure, makes heaven, spends eternity in heaven. Where, if he had grown up, he would have spent eternity in hell. So which is better? Live a short life, have your life cut short on earth, and go to heaven for eternity. Or live a long life, live to 900, 120 years old, and then spend eternity in a lake of fire. Which one you want? I think it's a pretty easy choice. See, we've got to have God's perspective. got to have God's perspective. And this isn't a rejoicing over people. Sup- yeah, they got it now. Yeah, look at them burn. Yeah, they deserve that. That's not, that's not the reaction that we're supposed to have. That's not the kind of reaction God would encourage. Because the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 24, verse 17. It says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. You don't, you, you, you don't want to do that. You see, you see, you know, people, they're not right. They're going in the wrong direction. And, uh, and some of these people, they need God's judgment because of the, the lives that they're affecting, because of the people that are getting hurt by them. And sometimes the best thing, even for them, is to experience God's judgment. But sometimes people, people have to die. People, things have to happen. Evil people, things have to happen to them. In order to free other people and give them an opportunity to be saved. Give people an opportunity to fulfill God's purpose and plan for their life. There's some thieves, there's some robbers that need, to, that need to go. You understand what I'm saying? But we don't rejoice over their fall. We don't rejoice when things go bad for them. No, we rejoice over the fact that the suffering that they caused has ceased. Woo, hallelujah! Praise God! Man, this place was devastated, and now it's put an end to all this corruption and filth and this destroying of human souls throughout the world. That's what we rejoice over: is stop shedding the blood of the saints. We rejoice over that. We don't rejoice that they that they had to happen that way, but we rejoice in what. It has caused. It has caused people to get free. So we rejoice over that. Verse 21. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone. And there and threw it into the sea. Saying, thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down. And not be found any." More. That's interesting. A great millstone thrown into the sea. Does that sound familiar to you? How many people remember what Jesus said in Matthew 18, verse 6? He says, but whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depth of the sea. A millstone thrown in the sea. And Jesus said that is the judgment of those that cause little ones to sin. Thus signifying the kind of gross sin that Babylon, the whore, the harlot, will be spreading. And it's sexual sins and related to children. Verse 22, we hear a lot of that these days too, don't we? Yeah. Verse 22, the sound of harpists, musicians, flute, trumpeters shall not be heard in you anymore. No craftsmen, craft, light, no, 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 Verse 24, and in her was found the blood of the prophets and saints and of all who were slain on the earth. So, these are her great sins. Sex trafficking of children. And the murder, the killing of God's prophets and God's saints. This is America. America. America the beautiful has become America the Babylon. Thank God we're still here, the salt of the earth. And we're going to fight to keep Babylon out. We're going to fight to keep the unclean birds out. Fight to keep the demon. Man, they're fighting to get in. More and more and more are trying to get in. But we're fighting to keep them out. Chapter 19, verse 2. For true and righteous are his judgments, because he has judged the great harlot, who corrupted the earth, corrupted the earth with her fornication, sexual immorality. Who's done that? Who's doing that? Who's going to do that? And he has avenged on her the blood of his servants shed by her. Again they said, "Hallelujah." Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, "Amen. Hallelujah." Sounds like Life of Faith Bible Church. We never want to get never want to get tired of saying amen. Hallelujah. hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, they're doing it in heaven. We need to do it in times of trial and tests. We need to do it in times of tribulation. We need to do it in times where it looks like total devastation. Looks like the whole world's falling apart. And the whole world's falling Everybody's crying and mourning. We're going, hallelujah. We never lose our hallelujah. That's the lesson closing out this lesson tonight. We never lose our Hallelujah. Does't matter the size of the tribulation doesn't matter what they're saying in the world. what are we saying we're saying two things what Hallelujah. huh Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise God forever, praise our God, all you His servants, and those who fear him both small and Great, And we'll stop there. And next time, we will begin talking about the Lamb's wife. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord.
0: That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at LOFBC.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website, again, is LOFBC.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.